And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I can see it clearly. It's fixed into my imagination. And it's probably not so foreign of a thought. Sunlight flickers slightly as it cascades into a cool basement room. Pictures are strategically placed on the walls, and furniture is arranged neatly in order to maximize the room's space. And the TV is set perfect to that one amazing couch cushion that is equidistant from the bathroom and the fridge for your absolute viewing pleasure. Everything is placed purposefully and perfectly except for one thing. It's hidden in the corner. It's camouflaged. T-shirts, jeans, and socks adorn this mythical apparatus. This camouflage has made this once respected machine into a sad piece of clothesline. Isn't that the treadmill? That's all it is anymore. It's just a beefy clothesline. And it's truly a sad day when the treadmill becomes a clothesline. In our scripture passage this morning, we get to see two people, one that we probably have heard of and one that might not be as known to us. The one that jumps out at us right away is Simeon, and this might simply because, be because we got to see him acted out before us during the, the GT and the Halo Express Christmas program days. <laughs> but also because we have an emotional soft spot for Simeon. He's the classic grandpa character. He, we get all mushy as he gushes over the baby Jesus and we think, oh, he's so cute. And Simeon becomes a big old teddy bear to us. Then we have Anna, the widow, for approximately 65 years. She plays the grandma role to a T. But she's also a little bit harder to push to the side because we don't get to see the gushing speech that we do with Simeon. 
but we do get to see another large emotional response by her. As soon as Anna sees Jesus, she praises God and then goes and tells all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This literally means that she tells pretty much every single person that she comes in contact with because everyone in Israel was waiting for the redemption. And, and at this moment, we get to, again, see a, a large emotional response. Anna's large emotional response captivates us for a moment or two as we think, how quaint. This lovely little grandma-type person is so excited. And she, too, tugs at our heartstrings, and we're once again filled up with that nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. It's the cuteness that gets us, right? But these two are no soft pair of senior citizens. These two are 100% twisted steel and Christ appeal. These two are strong, empowered people of Christ who are living their exact purpose because they know the purpose of Jesus. Simeon actually proclaims what the purpose of Jesus is. If you have your Bible still open, look with me back at Simeon's words in verses 30 through 32. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Simeon looks at Jesus and doesn't see a baby. Simeon looks at Jesus and doesn't see a little bundle of cuteness. But Simeon looks at Jesus and sees salvation. This has to warrant the question, if Simeon looks at Jesus and sees salvation, how do we look at Jesus? Now, I can't speculate to what your response might be, but maybe we can look at some of the observations of the views of many of people around us. One view that we often see of Jesus is of begrudging service. Well, it's Sunday morning again, and now I have to get up. I can't sleep in. I can't watch pregame. This Sunday is cutting my weekend in half. I can't believe they keep talking about small groups. I go on Sundays. Isn't that enough? I know I'm supposed to read my Bible every day, but it's so much work. Don't they know how slow a reader I am? It took me a whole year to read the first book of The Hunger Games. I guess I now need to start asking my coworkers and friends to come with me to church, but I guess this will at least give us something to talk about. And this is what our lives of following Jesus has turned into for many, a begrudging service or a well-if-I-have-to type life. Another view we have of Jesus is that Jesus is a means to an end. There's a small expression that's popped up into our culture during the revival movements throughout the years, and it's been adapted into our language of Christianese. Praying the prayer, or have you prayed the prayer? We see it at festivals and concerts. We see it on TV and in movies. And because we have seen it so much, it has crept into our conscience. It has wiggled its way into what we think, and, we and, and for many of us, it is what we tell non-believers they must do in order to become a Christian. But unfortunately, there's one thing and one problem with that, is that Jesus never said that. Jesus never said that in order to be saved, you need to ask him into your heart. He said multiple times, come follow me. He also said, repent and believe, but he never said you need to ask me into your heart. And yet our culture says it over and over again. Why? Why do we say it over and over again? 
Because for many of us, we have a short-sighted view of Jesus. I'm a recently married man, and because of this, I've had to do a little, little growing up. And I don't know about you, but I don't like growing up. <laughs> and one of the things uh, that I've had to do, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, this, this growing up is great because it means that I've tricked this wonderful woman into marrying me. But I've, I've recently had to do uh, some discussions, some research, and sit through some meetings with people about insurance. Uh, I don't know how you adults do it, but I'm working real hard at this. And I'm working real hard at this because I know it's my great responsibility to love and care for my wonderful wife. But my goodness, is it boring. <laughs> But sitting through these meetings has made me realize one thing, is that many of us look at Jesus as a life insurance policy. Now, if you think about it, if you don't work in life insurance, if you're not a life insurance agent, if you don't work for a life insurance company, you don't think about life insurance on a day-to-day -day basis. You think about it when you buy it, you think about it when you have to use it, but other than that, we can just store it into the back of our minds. It doesn't really matter to us until we need it. And this is how our culture sees Jesus. We think, I've got Jesus. I've prayed the prayer. I can just forget about it. I can just go ahead and move on to my life. I can deal with my friends and my family and my work because I know I'm good. And I know I'm taken care of in the future. So now I can do whatever I want. Praying the prayer turns Jesus into a means to an end. He's a doorway to get into heaven, and now that doorway is open. I'm all set. But this isn't the Jesus that's revealed to us through the Bible. This isn't the Jesus that Simeon and Anna proclaim. Jesus is salvation. Jesus says, come follow me. He says, repent and turn away from your old life. I love you too much for you to settle for anything less than me. I love you too much to settle for anything less than the best. I don't know about you guys, but I have a pretty good life. I have a family that loves me. I have the ability to get food anytime I want it. And believe it or not, I even had presents waiting for me underneath the tree. I have an amazingly good life. And yet this cannot even compare to the life that Jesus promises us in his presence. This doesn't mean that everything will be perfect. This doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen to us. But what this does mean is that we get to experience all things in his peace. This is what Rich was preaching about on Christmas Eve night, that we can handle all things, that we can endure all things, that we can experience all things, because in Christ's salvation, we get to experience his peace in all things. It isn't simply life insurance, it, but it's an ongoing placement we are put in. This proclamation, uh, or this placement that Jesus puts us in demands change. It can't be saved and remain the same. One of the things I like to do in winter is play a fun little game called broom ball. It's also something the students that are going to be doing with me on a Saturday that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. But if you don't know about broom ball, it's basically ice hockey without skates. And also for those of you that don't know this amazing game, Ice is the great equalizer. It takes the mighty athlete and brings them down just maybe slightly above the normal Joe Schmo. That's because when you're on ice, you can't act the same way that you would normally. 
If you try to run on ice like you would do normally, you're going to fall on your face. If you try to turn like you would normally, you're going to fall on your face. If you try to stop like you would normally, you're going to fall on your face and probably take some other people out with you. Once you're on the ice, everything changes. It's because your location changes everything that you do. It's the same thing when it comes to Jesus saving us. We have been moved into salvation. Our location changes. And because our location changes, we also must change. We can't be taken from one place to another and continue to do the same thing. And if we try, we're only going to hurt ourselves and everything around us. This is the revelation that Simeon proclaimed to us uh, and what he proclaims for all Gentiles, that Jesus has come to save you. Not just a certain select group of people, not just a certain race of people, but that Jesus has come to save you. You have been saved. You have been moved from one place to the next, and it's all because Jesus, as salvation, came to the earth. He lived as a boy. He grew up into a perfect man and died our rightful death. Because of what Jesus has done for you, all things must change. Now, for many of us, this isn't new information. It's something that has probably, we probably heard before, but over the years, life continues to pile up. It continues to happen. And just like clothes on a treadmill, it wasn't planned, it wasn't, it wasn't its purpose, but it happened. So what are we going to do? Are we going to be treadmills, or are we going to be clotheslines? What would our lives look like if we constantly lived our purpose? What would our lives look like if we constantly and continually lived in this salvation? What would King of Glory's life look like if we constantly lived in the salvation that Jesus gives? If we constantly lived in this salvation, then our focus would change. Since we have been saved, our main concern can no longer be us. Our focus has to then be on those who are not saved. Doesn't that make sense? If you're saved, then you're taken care of. If we are taken care of, then our lives need to be focused on those who are not. Everything we have has to be focused on others, our money, our plans, and our time. A while back, King of Glory started a campaign called All In For Him. And this was a great thing. People took steps of faith and made pledges to give considerable amounts to, of funds to go towards building, uh, to having a new building for King of Glory. And what an amazing thing it was. It was amazing to see people step out in faith. But soon, in our near future here, we're going to have some big decision. And how we make these decisions are truly going to show if we are living our purpose or if we're just being a clothesline. One of those decisions is going to be the building's location. This might seem like a small thing, but if we're going to live our purpose, then everything, absolutely everything, has to be done for that purpose. Right now, the Sycamore Center is located right on a bus route. This location has a huge impact on people that are in need. King's Closet distribution of household items gets into the hands of even more people than if it were located someplace else. But even more importantly, this allows so many more people to come into contact with the salvation of Jesus through the words and actions of the volunteers at King's Closet. And this is all simply because of its location. This small thing 
makes a giant impact for so many people in need. Location now becomes a very big deal. So when it comes down to the decision of the location of our new building, are we gonna locate ourselves in a place where we can reach the most people who are in need? Or are we going to put it in a place where we can build the style of building that looks the way we want it? What is gonna fill our building? And there can be a million good answers to this question, but what's gonna drive that decision? Are we gonna fill it with a big kitchen and a cool youth room and the things we like because that's what we want? Or are we gonna utilize every square foot of space to maximize our outreach to those who are in desperate need to hear that Jesus is salvation and that he has saved them? We're gonna have so many decisions and we can go so many different ways, but the way, the why are we make those decisions are gonna show if we are living our purpose. It's gonna show if we are living our salvation. Jesus is salvation. Simeon, Anna, and the entirety of scripture correctly and loudly proclaim Jesus as salvation. Are you? Are we gonna live our purpose? Are we gonna live as if we have been saved? Are we gonna plan as if we are gonna have been saved? Are we gonna spend as if we have been saved? Jesus' purpose is to save us, and thanks to, be, thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for this, and that we know this. Now, we need to go live our purpose. So let's go live our salvation through all of our thoughts, all of our plans, all of our bank accounts, all of our words, and all of our action. Let's go live our salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the fact that you came to us in the form of a baby. We thank you for the fact that you came as salvation, Lord, and that you have moved us into salvation. We thank you that our location has changed. And God, now that our location has changed, we ask that you would empower us to live in this new location, to live in this salvation. Lord, help us live as if your salvation has entered into every part of our lives and help our every action to then go care for the people around us because we've been taken care of by you. Help us tell all, of, all the people around us of what you've done for us. God, we thank you and praise you for this work. We thank you and praise you for what you've done. And we ask you to move through King of Glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.